beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. And uh, we're here doing another episode with another uh, interesting guest. And uh, again, just wanted to convey our gratitude to all those that are listening. Uh, we really appreciate wherever you're listening from, giving us the time out of your day to kind of uh, listen to these interviews. And we really just hope that you enjoy them and, and possibly get something out of it. So let's let's get started. So on today's podcast, we have Medea Bavarella Chechik, and she is the best-selling author of Facing Grief with Eyes Wide Open, a transformative teacher, transformational facilitator, and leader, and a master coach. Medea is the founder and host of We Evolve TV, an online talk show where she has interviewed many luminaries in the field of human consciousness. Uh, Medea, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. It's, 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 I'm really excited to be here with you, with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> We're excited to be here with you too. Yes. Once again, thank yeah. you for coming on. And I know you have a story to tell and you've, you've done a lot. You've wrote a book, you're, you know, running your own TV show. Was it the grief that started the loss of, uh, that started your journey? Is that what sort of provoked you to go into this direction? No, no, not at all. I have been, I have been my journey in a way uh, since I was born. You know, I, I I was born and I knew as a child that this life was going to be a significant, uh, for a lack of better description, descriptive word, significant in, uh, for me. And so I was always, you know, starting my life semi conscious, aware. I was always aware of myself, aware of everything, and aware that there was something more to life than just what I was observing, you know, around me. And so I think that since that, you know, that time, since I was a child, I had this, this impulse inside of me that I was born with to seek for the meaning of life. <laughs> you know, what, why am I here for? I was fascinated by that, those questions. You know, what does it all mean? What is what is life? What is uh, you know what is this life all about? And 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 mostly, what is love? I I mean I would observe around me people's you know situation, and then I would say I would think to myself, wow, how come these people don't know that the most important thing is love? How come they don't know that you know that's what that it it, it felt like, you know I was observing the illusion the game you know that people play uh the ego at play in life and i was like perplexed even as a child and why are they doing that <laughs> don't they get us don't they know that there's something more than this and uh, and you know since i was since my i guess you know high school university i was interested again continue even more into discovering the meaning of life the meaning of my life, the meaning of everything, and so I, I, I studied philosophy in, in uh, university. I took psychology first, but then I don't like psychology, and so I, I switched to philosophy. And then, of course, after that, wait, I wait, wait, wait. you don't like psychology? Come on! <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Because I, then I went into psychotherapy after university, because then I realized that I was more interested in the more spiritual, more holistic perspective, you know, from that perspective of understanding human condition and understanding how the mind works and understand how emotions work and, you know, and bring and, and how they affect us and, and what can we do. So I, I studied transformative psychotherapy. In psychology, I, you know, it was really the first year. I didn't like it because it was, uh, mm. it, it was uh, the first year was primarily um, about statistics, about, you know, and it was like, oh God, I, I didn't think, I, I realized, I was disappointed because I thought, oh, this is not what I thought psychology was. Then of course I didn't hang in there. And yeah. then I, I yeah, to discover. If you, if you, uh, if you would have hung in there, there's so many other courses, but yeah, the first year is usually the hardest year too, just because it's so different from what people expect. And you're really just looking at, there's like a bunch of mountaintops, right? Like cognition, you know, totally. behavior. All, all the sort of stuff, right? And dreams and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, like, they only, like, really just talk about the tops of the mountains of the subject just to give people an idea. 
And there's some people that say like, it's a lot to handle because there's so much that they're going after. And they try to teach a little bit of statistics too. And also your teacher is a big part, right? Cause I've, when I went to Brock, the uh, psychology teachers were amazing and both of them are retiring this year. Mm-hmm. And, but it's like your teacher is, you know, one of the things that can sell you on a topic or not. I know even high school, some high school teachers that really were good at math and I loved the way they taught math and I got really into it. And there's other ones that really turned me away from the subject based on who they were. So, you know, it could have been the teacher, it could have just been like the experience, but you're right. So what you're doing now anyways is, is psychology in the sense of going into the behavior, why people think the way they do, emotions, all that psychology. So it's nice how you're, you've, you got away and you came back. <laughs> yes, and 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 I understand about. I, I agree about the teacher has a uh, plays a big a big role, because when I was in high school, for example, one in grade thirteen, uh, one of my favorite subject was Latin. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> I took two Latin courses: one in grammar, you know, the other one in poetry, because the teacher she was just amazing, and I just loved Latin. <laughs> But then, yes, after university, I, I, I was searching. I continued searching, but I, it, my search led me more to the alternative uh, field, and so I started getting into, you know, into healing modalities, um, energy, energy healing, and then eventually I realized that what I was more interested in was again the psychotherapy. The, you know, I wanted to help people. I wanted to help myself, and I wanted to help people in within the context of you know their lives and how they relate with their lives and how their life influences them and you know the the wounding and how do we how do we deal with with the difficulties the challenges of life so then i went into psychotherapy and this was you know a long time ago and then i continue my studies and you know always within the context of this um alternative uh, way of looking at you know psycho- medicine and healing and and psychology and that led me to, you know to many other studies and um, the death of so I was already into into really going deeper into understanding life and understanding my place in life and the meaning of that i was already a seeker of 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 love of life of 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 the greatest the highest meaning and then um nine years ago you know that 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 major event um my the death of the the death of my son and interestingly enough everything that i had learned everything that i knew from more from me cognitive from a mind perspective it was just it didn't really help me you know I couldn't I wasn't sitting there and saying oh okay let me deal with my emotions of grief and let me see how I can transform this it wasn't like that at all it was the 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 shock the intensity of the trauma of losing him was so severe was so intense that it really threw me off off guard and it threw me off my you know my central axis within myself so to speak you know i write i write i used to write you know i started writing right from the first few months um it, it, because writing became uh, very catalytic for me it became very therapeutic and um i i as i was as i was writing my experience my feelings then i was becoming more and more the observer and so what it did it kind of brought me a little bit outside of the intensity and looking in you know leaning in and say oh my god this is really what happened you know this is this is incredible Medea wow you really like this so it it I looking back right now the writing helped me become the witness of my own experience and so everything that I knew I, I, I say, you know, it was like the, it was like I was uprooted from my own self, from my own life, and thrown into the universe. So I was really floating in the universe, not knowing who I was. You know, not literally not knowing who I was, but more like, oh my God, what does it all mean now? Because it's like my whole life—it seemed, it felt that it, my whole life, as as I had known it up to that moment, was gone was done. 
So I also experienced um, a sense of death, not literal death, of course, but more like a metaphysical and emotional psychological death because I realized my whole life revolved around my son in a way. And, and when he was gone, it was like a part of me, you know, like my heart was really broken, literally. <laughs> and, 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 and a big part of me, a big part of my soul was gone with him. That's what it felt like. And even the grieving process, the actual grieving, how I grieved. And of course, I didn't plan any of this. It just happened. And so it was like life was doing something to me, through me. And then the only thing I could do really at the beginning was just surrender because there was nothing else I could do other than just die myself. And, and, and so I just surrendered and allowed this intensity of this life, the energy of grief, that it was so potent to work through me. And a lot of it was experienced on a physical level. It was like I, I could feel it in my belly. I could feel it in my womb, you know, the, the grief, the pain. It was like, you know, he was, it was, it was really interesting. I, and I think I write about this in my book. It seemed like to me, it was like, it was like the reverse labor pains. I know, you, I don't, you know, you probably don't, you're a man, you haven't given birth, so you don't, may not understand, but, you know, giving birth, when you're giving birth to a child, the, the same thing happens, life happens through you and you just, you're just a witness and you just have to really open up and surrender and allow this birth to come through your body and, and it's very intense and it's very painful. And the same thing was happening, you know, through the grief. It was like he, my son's soul, my son was leaving me, you know, in my body. And so I felt that pain on a physical level as well. And, um, and so it, it, was, it was a very real, it was a very real experience. It wasn't just an emotional, a psychological. It was a real, true life, you know, cosmic experience. If I, I, for a lack of better words, it was beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. I was already fairly acquainted with death, because in 2000, both my mother, my beloved mother, and my only sister died of cancer, and I was a, you know, at their deathbed supporting their process of crossing over and then in 2002 my father passed away so I had already gone through all of those experiences but losing my son was in a category all of itself it was just beyond 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 anything that I could ever imagined and I wasn't prepared for it at all so it was really it it, it really went really deep inside of my being in my soul it was a soul process and as I said at the beginning, the only thing left for me to do is just was surrender. And as I start surrendering, as I start to, I, I went deep in myself because my, my heart, as I said, as I had known it before, up to that moment, up to that time, it was totally shattered. And it was like my whole sense of self was was temporarily was momentarily destroyed let's say my sense of self and so there was a period of time when i was floating in the sense of like okay what's what what is this what happens now what do i do now who am i now and so i allowed myself to be to go through this process of not knowing you know what i was not knowing what i was going not knowing what it all meant except the deep pain and it was very, very, very intense, deep pain. I had an experience just, um, actually, tomorrow is my son's birthday, coincidentally. He died when he was 24, nine years ago, and he would have been 34 tomorrow. He would have turned 34. And um, a, a few nights ago, um, and I, I, wrote, I wrote about this, and actually, I, you know, I posted on my Facebook page, I had an intense experience and occasionally in, I have these experiences where I feel like this, like his soul or his spirit visits me, these, these, these visions or these visitations. 
and and it came you know as 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 an energy i felt and and again it was just this incredible this incredible love uh, because now that's all like our own connection our own bond has transformed and has evolved into another re- another in an, a, a higher way where we just know each other where we connect with each other in our heart in the love that is eternal because you know that energy the vibration of love it just it doesn't change doesn't nothing you know doesn't break doesn't end so and where where when was the first time you felt that like in your grief journey was yeah, it like soon after or was it after that floating that almost that numbness well, it was off? about it, i think it was about around six months after mm-hmm where I would, you know, every night I would sit, you know, try to be with myself in meditation in to take a little respite from the, what I used to call them, the, the grief attacks, because in the grief attacks, just like the labor pains would come intermittently every, you know, at first, like every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes, and then it would come, you know, maybe every half hour, and they were really intense. And so there was a little bit of time in between in a nighttime, having gone through all of that, I would just sit with myself and say, oh, Medea, again, being the witness of myself and saying, oh, my God. Oh my God, this is intense. This is just like beyond anything. You lost him. You lost. Yeah, I used to have dreams of losing a, you know, a baby boy, a child. You lost him. He's gone forever. Like my mind was trying to make sense of it, you know. And I remember one night, specifically, as I was doing this, where I was trying to be with myself present. It felt like as if I really was seeing myself from the outside of myself. And what I saw, it was like, it almost like shocked me. It was like, because I really saw the intensity of what I had gone through. And what happened as I was witnessing that, and I was saying, oh my God, Medea, I am so sore. I found, I heard myself saying, I am so sorry for you. I am so sorry that you have to go through all of this. Why? Because I see what you're going through is beyond. It's too too much. So it was like this, this, it was like an innate, deep compassion and empathy arose from a the deeper than my own sense of self, deeper than even the grief. I would now looking back, I would say from from the this, my soul level, from my spirit, from the the spirit of the universe as it moves through me, as to this deep compassion, empathy for my grieving self, and then I instinctively put my arms around myself, embracing myself, and saying, "I love you, Medea. I love you. I am so sorry. I am so sorry that you had to go through this." So. It, it was like I, I tapped in into this, this love that is the love of the universe, this unconditional, this, this, I tapped in into the actual vibration and frequency of universal love in myself. And, and as, I've, as I've wrote the experience that I had a few nights ago, it was like I write... It was love, you know, that saved me. That's the only thing. I mean, I mean, I write a lot of poetry, so a lot of my writing is a little bit more poetically inclined. And and so it felt like, as again, it's like love, the you know, the 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 creative energy and, and process of life itself was was coming inside of me to rescue me, to support me, and, and to, to save me. And so that's, um, that's how I started this whole going, you know, I would experience the grief, I would experience the loss, I would experience the anxiety, the, the overwhelming experience of not even knowing what I was going. And in fact, I, one night I projected into the future into my future life and I really didn't it was it was like I didn't see my life I didn't see my future 
And that kind of scared me a little bit. It scared me a little bit. And then I understood that my life was, was hanging by a thread, so to speak. And then I also understood that it was up to me to make a decision which direction I was going to go. Literally, was I going to die or was I going to live? And then I sensed from deep inside of myself that I needed, that it was up to me and that I needed to make a strong intention, a strong uh, commitment. And so I, and then I, I just harnessed that, set that knowing. And then I spoke aloud to the universe, to God, to divine mother, goddess life and say, okay, I hear me. I choose to live because I sensed that that there was, you know, that there was still more for me to do, that I was still needing to, to fulfill my sole purpose. And at that point, I still didn't know that actually my, my son's death was going to be part of that. But I just knew that there was something more for me to do. And so then I made that decision, that choice to live. That was the initiation, the turnaround, you know, where I started to support myself into into navigating the you know the grief whatever the journey was going to be for me and it lasted about three you know three to three years intensely but it was in supporting me into moving into the next phase even though I had no idea what that phase was going to be so what I what I call it you know I was supporting myself it was you know, my son's death was was a was a rebirth for me, and that's what I saw. That experience that I saw the other night, and I read about it, was like I found myself. I could I could see this vortex where both my son's spirit and I. This was a you know last week mo- were merged into one at a soul level, and then I saw that he had played. You know that his part of his role, his destiny was to support me in this. That he, the irony of it that I was there was a rebirth that I went through, but it was the rebirth of really now stepping and living from my soul, and that could only ha- I mean it's in 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 this context of my life, it only ha- it could happen through the death of my son. So so death and rebirth happened at the same time. You know the yin and the yang. He died, and I was reborn. It was the beginning of my reborn, my rebirth. I write this, the cosmic irony, my son's death was my rebirth. I was reborn as the true me right then when my son died. It gave birth to true unconditional love in my heart, which several years later allowed me to experience also divine love. So then I could say that the death, this rebirth was the rebirth of knowings, starting to know myself as as my soul, as the true, you know, as as the true self, as the true me, other than my conditioning, my upbringing, my and even my spiritual understanding of life. It was just really knowing it directly. It was that direct knowing, and it was also. That rebirth was also the rebirth of knowing myself as love, as as what love is, and knowing it in myself, in my heart, in my body, in my being, not just knowing it in my head, you know, knowing it. Yes, of course, we all know that the you know part of the meaning of life is love, but this was like I really knew it. I I started to know it, and and then you know, if you, about four years. After his passing, I I write about it in my book as well. I started experiencing what I called it a personal renaissance, which is like my heart started really opening and stretching, and I start really experiencing not only love but joy. I like I I would I would experience grief and sadness and joy almost like simultaneously. It was like I was really experiencing all of it, you know, the holy and the broken you know, hallelujah, you know, uh, Leonard Cohen. And, and then I started writing poetry. And, po- and in the poetry, that, that, that experience of being reborn and what it meant for me and, that, and then knowing 
love, knowing the beloved. I've, you know, I've read a lot about the beloved, knowing about true love, start, start coming through, start manifesting itself through the poetry. Because that's where, even though I was writing the poetry as part of the grief, but actually the poems, most of the poems were about how I came out of my dream. It was, it was, it was my transformation my transmutation that's what reading the poetry was and mm -hmm. and the words that i used were 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 about that mm -hmm. yeah let, let's uh we're definitely going to get into uh some of your poetry in a bit but let's let's go back i wanted to acknowledge the the power of what you went through in terms of the the change because you know essentially you know your foundation was shaken mm -hmm. um it, it was you know and you went through uh, again I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss you went through Thank you. Uh, a mother's worst fear, right? Like you, you went through this type of um, this anguish, this pain. I mean, you do an amazing job describing it and you had to kind of rebuild that foundation again. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Just, just you know, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of, you know, mothers and, and fathers and, and brothers and sisters and people who go through that type of loss in their life. And then it kind of shakes their world. And it definitely you could tell that you're you're that type of person who 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 ha who asks that question why first mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. and you know seeing you understand this conceptually just just wrap your head around the grief process and everything that's going on that's incredible because you know you became you know that that phoenix who burns and and and, and dies and then gets reborn again mhm mm mhm mm mhm and so I'm really curious about the poetry. Were you always into poetry or was that something that only started after the death? I, I was always fascinated and I always liked writing since I was in grade school. Like actually in grade school, I was in Italy. That's where I was born. And that's what I grew up till I was 16. Um, I remember in grade school, I won a contest, the whole school about some a composition that I wrote. But poetry, I wrote maybe a couple of poems here and there, but I didn't really go into it fully uh, and more systematically. Like I was writing poetry every day uh, until a few years after the death of my son. That's amazing. Do you have one? Uh, do you have a uh, one sample writing that you could share with us that really sort of understood your process, or what maybe one of your favorite ones that you've wrote during your grief process? Okay. Uh, yes, I have one here. I, I call it the garden. It's called. It's entitled. There is a garden filled with most exquisite beauty, indecipherable, expansive and vast. Although it is in me, it is beyond me. It is an unfathomable matrix of love beyond life. A love made from pieces of starlight from one infinite universe. Love, loving itself, wanting to be more and more love, birthing new life with each breath. It is in this garden that I keep on meeting you over and over again, beyond your death, beyond my life. In this garden, there is only, there is no death. There is only never ending merging of our one spirit. How sweet it is this merging with you in this garden of forever love. So that's one. Wow, that's beautiful. That's actually, it, it's nice. It's nice hearing that from you. And especially with a lot of your journey, I can understand sort of what you're talking about within the poetry. My big thing with poetry is it's hard for me to understand where the person's coming from sometimes. Mm -hmm. But like with the way you wrote that, I understood because of the conversation yes. that we're, we're having and how beautiful that is that you found a way to continue that bond with your son in a new way and in a more loving way, I guess, too, because he's different uh, in the sense that he's providing you a love that you could never have imagined he could provide. You know, like it's because he said he's helping you. And usually as a son, you're helping them, you know, as a mother. So it's almost like the revol the roles were reversed a little way in the sense that he's giving and providing you this love that 
you know, almost like he couldn't provide as a son. Yes. And, you know, my, my relationship, I raised my son uh, on my own since he was uh, a year and a half. It wasn't always an easy, you know, it was challenging. He, he was, it was challenging, <laughs> challenging, especially as a teenager. Uh, he, you know, he was a little lost. He didn't have a father. And, and as we all know today, that that is a, has a, a very tremendous, uh, in a lot of ways, um, challenging impact on young men, not having a, a positive role model to guide them through life. And, and so that was, you know, he, and how he acted out. I remember when he was about 10 years old, I was, you know, in my room and I was getting ready to go out and he comes into my room and he goes, mom, he goes, I made a decision. He was literally 10 years old. And I said, really? Um, what, what? He goes, you know, I think that because I'm not academically smart enough, which was not true, he, <laughs> he, was, he was, you know, he didn't, he didn't conform to the norm because he was beyond the norm. And so, but he started thinking, he was going to the Waldorf school, he started believing that, because, you know, that maybe he wasn't, he was an academic, he was very physical, he was into martial arts, he, he had a, a, a kinesthetic, a, a body, uh, physical intelligence, he could do anything in sports and, and martial arts, he was very strong physically, and um, he goes, oh, since, you know, because I don't think, I, I don't think I'm academic alive, I was thinking, what am I going to do with my life, what, who am I going to be, he goes, I come to the conclusion I think I'm I'm going to be a, a rebel. <laughs> That's what he said to me, literally. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know that was an option, a <laughs> job option. <laughs> well, he he made a, a conscious decision at that early age, and I understand it now where that was coming from and why I made that decision. I mean, of course, in that moment, I didn't take it that seriously. I said, oh, okay. But then I realized afterwards that he really, he really lived this life as, as, you know, as a rebel in a way. And that was challenging and it was challenging for him and it was challenging for me. So a lot of times, you know, because of that, it, he couldn't, and he has expressed a lot of this through different transmissions that have come through different people, you know, through him how he just did not know how to express a lot of his emotions, a lot of his truth because of the struggle that he was going through within himself. So, so he did not, he was not able to access a lot of things that are so level, his beauty, his, his, his love when he was alive because he was too focused on being the rebel. And so it, it came after he died you know, in, in our in our navigating and, and shifting our connection at a soul level in, in, in love. And so then I start understanding the role that he played, both our roles, how he helped me, you know, how we made this agreement at a soul level that he was going to play those roles for me, for my own becoming, for my own rebirth, and how I as I'm living my life now, and I, as I am specifically love, learning how to love, not only myself, because of course to love, to love, we have to learn to love ourselves first, because then that, how do we going to know really what love is and how, and how to give it to, to anybody else. And I do have love in my life as well. I, you know, five years ago, I met the love, what I call the love of my life, the real, my soul, you know, we're loving at a soul level. And how through giving this love and receiving this love with my partner, I'm really learning even more deeply what love is and how it's expressed and how it works into, into the everyday life. And so as I am doing that, as I am learning how to love and how to be loved, in a way I'm sensing that I'm doing this for him as well, for my son as well, because he wasn't able to do this in this life and I wasn't able to do this for him because I also was mostly focused on on you know on on raising him and and as a single parent and you know and providing healthy boundaries and all that stuff that a lot of times we missed you know we missed the point because those those experiences of everyday life were so challenging that sometimes and so now I feel like ah this is what it is about this is what I didn't do then that I'm doing it now and he is experiencing it through me, 
you know, in this life. He's doing it wherever he is, I know, but he's also experiencing, he's witnessing it as I'm doing it now, as I'm, you know, through having become more of a, a mature, you know, human being embodying love. Yeah, and you know he is his mother's son, and I see some rebel in you. Uh, I mean, I mean that, and I mean it in the best way possible. Uh, you know, it's the rebels in this world who uh, push change, who are leaders, who uh, question the status quo, and just just what you told us about your childhood, kind of being a, a little sense, a little extra sensitive to the world compared to those around you, uh, must have um, must have been difficult at times, maybe even isolating. But uh, and and again, your son, he passed early and he died early, and and you know, especially at that age for for a guy. Well, I'll just speak for myself. Even it's a, I wasn't there yet. At you know, he said twenty four. I think yeah, I wasn't there yet. And just um, especially with the self love and understanding yourself. And I think uh, you know, I know definitely that. Uh, and you you spoke about this, but through you, I think that love or what he would have become on this earth is kind of i think it's positive and it's uh, I, I can feel that you know he was on the uh, the right path uh based off what you're saying in terms of um the person he was and again like you know a re rebel is a, is a great thing batman was a rebel i believe right <laughs> yeah jesus was a rebel yeah. a lot of a lot of great avatars and 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 things and we rebels i told you is this are you is this joshua or is this Sean was the one that just spoke. I'm the one that brought in the Batman quote. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, you're absolutely right. I have been a rebel in, my, in, my, in a different way than my son, in a different way than most people. Uh, but I, for sure, I've always, because I've always questioned authority. I always questioned the status quo, always questioned what was given to me. And I always had to reflect that uh, through my own innate truth. I never took, and I, you know, I never, never took, even as a, even young, uh, whatever anybody told me uh, as the truth. I always had to resonate it within myself because even then I knew that there was a truth inside of me. There was that imprint, of what I think truth is, and and it had to, and and I had to, you know, check in with that and say, is is this real? Is this true? And now, of course, I live my life mostly according to that deeper truth, according to my own inner intuition that I now recognize is connected directly through the truth and through the, through the essence of life itself. So, you know, it, the goodness of life, the beauty of life, the joy of life. The, and, and, and so in a way, yeah, even now I'm, I'm a rebel. <laughs> and so what did this rebel write her book about? And why is it, why did you like decide to write that now? Well, actually I wrote the book, I think it's probably, it's going to be two years now in April. I always knew that I was going to write a, at least a book since I was a teenager or since I was young. I just sensed it. Again, that deeper truth of myself. I had a, I, I had a knowing and I started writing, um, as I said earlier, almost very shortly after my son's passing, because the writing became a therapeutic process for me, even before the poetry, I started writing. Just my experience, put down, you know, what I was going through and what was my experiences. So I had most of the book already written um, from nine years ago, you know, and I always, I, I knew that I wanted to write it and I just, I wasn't, I wasn't sure how it was going to happen. And then looking back after I wrote it, I realized, and as I was writing it two years, you know, two years ago, I realized that I wanted to write something because I felt like what my experience has been, it could be of a real true value to a lot of people who are going through similar experiences and they may be lost as well. Because I was lost, but I found myself. I found my way of how to support myself through the gift process until my rebirth. So I felt like that was very significant. And so I felt like I wanted, that's part of my contribution, that's part of my, you know, soul higher purpose of why I'm here, because I'm here to 
on this in this life not only to go through my own you know rebirth i mean go through my own resurrection but also um to help other people and so i knew i knew that i felt that but i was i was hesitating um i was i was putting it off because i didn't want to go through i didn't want to buy through the writing having to revisit those intense experiences of loss and and so i wanted to write a book because i knew it was I, I i was supposed to write a book and yet oh my god no I, I i'm not ready so i kept on saying i'm not ready i'm not ready and then you know a couple of years ago i was you know really moving into i took a marketing program a marketing business program to help me with my own you know my own coaching um because i you know i'm a feminine power coach a transformative coach and i do you know really powerful work to helping support other people in their process and so i realized that i really need to stand you know to get out there into the world you know more i i, I sense this that you know this is my purpose and so I, I and i sense that i needed to have some skills into how to market myself because as you know today you know marketing is a very important aspect of of how we share and how we present who we are and, and the work that we do and so it was through this program and that's why it attracted me to sprung because they said that they one of the things they were going to do for me was going to help me write a book and so i said ah this is your opportunity now i took it as a sign from the universe saying okay medea this is it because you know you don't even have to worry about the publishing and all that stuff that is you know i i'm i'm not really a marketing business oriented person being a rebel so <laughs> so i needed i needed somebody else to support me to help me with that so i took that and 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 then i said okay this is it and so i just you know i made that commitment and I actually, uh, I, I took all the material that I had that I had been writing four years earlier, and then I added some of the poetry. In fact, there are 36 poems in the book, and and also added some of the, you know, the the experiential um, principles and work that I do as a transformative therapist and coach and how they related to my own process so that then the book is a is a it's a combination of my experience and the poetry and also uh, a combination of the actual transformative work that i do so that whoever is reading it they can relate to it uh, as well and they can have some sense of like ah okay this is this is it those this is how i could do it and i've had a lot of people saying that as a matter of fact just this morning i was reading um uh, a message from someone who said messenger how and i don't even know this person personally she's never worked with me but just through my writing and through reading my book how she says you saved my life mm. <laughs> you know and so so that's so that's how how it came about that's wow, it's got, that's got to feel so good to know that not only that you write the book you wrote the book and that helped in a sense of your own grief journey but to also be able to see the effect it can have on other people. Because you said like your one of your missions here is to help others. And it's amazing when you can get that feedback that you actually are in different ways. So kudos to you to staying alive and, you know, helping some people in the process. Right. Uh, in, you know, and you never know. You never know what that future holds and you never know what and who will read your book. Because a lot of times you never actually get the responses. It helps people, but they just never reach out. So it's nice when people do because you actually can see that in someone else's journey and feel really good about yourself on who you're becoming uh, as you move forward. I'm really curious, is there anything in the book about dreams? I know you had dreams. Did you write anything in the book about dreams? Actually, I may have written, you know, curiously enough, I did not have so many dreams of, of my son. I only, I had a few dreams of him just recently uh when he was young a couple of them but throughout the whole you know the nine years i i only had maybe two or three dreams and there was one one dream specifically and i think i wrote about that dream in my book that was very significant and do you want me to share it is there yes uh, please yeah so the dream was that i was in bed it was the morning and i was just waking up and he came through the door 
you know, through the door of my bedroom. And then I woke up and I go, oh, my God, you're here. I said, what are you doing here? <laughs> and then it's like, you know, I knew that he had come back from where he was after his death. And so I was like curious to see him. And he says, oh, they give, <laughs> and he said, oh, they gave me a pass, a two-week pass. So I came to visit. I came to visit you, and I came to visit my friends. And I go, oh, my God. I said, oh, I was so overjoyed to see him. And then as he came closer, I noticed that he had three gift bags. They weren't, you know, those, those paper brown bags that, you know, they can also be used as, as recycle, you know, paper bags, uh, gift bags. And outside of these bags, I could see, I could see that there were all these symbols that to me, they were symbols of the other life. And they had these, these, you know, these cosmic meaning, which I didn't have in that moment, but I sensed that there were these symbols and, and they were significant somehow. And then, especially one of them, I saw that there was a light. There was a light coming outside of this bag. And so I said, oh, my God. He goes, I brought you some gifts. And I saw really three gifts, three bags. And I said, oh, thank you you know thank you my thank you my son it was like and and even in the dream i sensed that these gifts were very significant I had a, you know were of a significant nature and then he goes okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go say hi to my my hang out with my my buddies you know my friends for a while and then i'll be right and then i'll come in i'll be back and so that was the dream and, wow. and yeah and and so i write i think i've read about this dream in the book Wow, that's a beautiful dream. <laughs> that's so interesting. And so I think it's uh, very funny that he's got like a, a pass, almost like he's out on like parole kind yeah, of thing. Like, I know, like, I know. <laughs> and I said, yeah, really? You can do that? I was so surprised <laughs> that it was possible for dead people to have a pass to come back into life for a couple of weeks just to visit. You that's know, so and, funny. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. And I, I see that a lot in different other dreams, but in different ways where they'll give a reason on why they're there. Um, and it could be funny. It's like something the fire brought me back or like there's all sorts of stuff. I've never really died. I was just hiding. So there's just different like reasons that the deceased can give to almost like carry on the conversation because it's so shocking that they're there because they're dead. Right. Like this shouldn't be like happening. So yeah. I think the three the three gift bags. Interesting. So what did you take that as when you woke up? Well, you know, I, I've been pondering on that, and and I feel like, of course, one of the gifts is, is just my own self. Mm. You know, really recognizing myself, my life, as a gift, and what I do, and what I'm, the meaning of what I'm here to do, and 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 my contribution, and me being part of this, the larger symphony, you know, of life, mm. is a gift. And then, I've, and then, the, my the the love that I'm experiencing with my partner Ivan, I I, I is a gift mm. because you know the the depth and and how it's how it's helping us grow and evolve into the truth of who we are through the love that we're sharing with each other is a really incredible sacred you know gift. It's a divine gift. And then I thought, you know, maybe the book is also, you know, a third gift. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's really interesting because like, he could have brought a thousand gifts, right? Like they, they have, yeah, you know, yeah. so it's like, is three an important number in your life? Like some people um, like view numbers as, you know, they're symbolic of it in itself. Like, do you have that belief too? You know, that's a good question. I, I'm not really sure. I never consciously given thought to that number three but i know that number three is a significant number you know it's you know the first thing that came to me as you asked as you said that right in this moment is the trinity you know mm -hmm. things come in three and, and so and then in three and, and then i'm sensing now that there may be more to this than what i just described so far what i i I sent, you know, what I sensed into the gifts, the, the, the meaning of the gifts, maybe there's more to it that it's going to be revealed to me 
you know, it's going to make itself known to me as time goes by. I don't know. Maybe there is going to be three more gifts and three more gifts <laughs> <laughs> to infinity. <laughs> That's cool. And I think, too, it's interesting. You said there's symbols they didn't recognize on the bags. And there's also one that was emitting light. So all that stuff is very interesting to think about. And that's why I love hearing these dreams, because they're so unique to the individual and to the relationship and the bond that the person Absolutely. has. So, yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing that dream. I'm really curious what dream if you could have a dream tonight, what dream would you want to have of your son? Good question. Um, you know, one one of the intentions that I've had um, all throughout because I remember um, he passed on a Friday evening. I came home and I found him in his, in his bedroom as he was drawing his last breaths. And then I called 911 and they came and they tried to revive him. And then, you know, they, they took him eventually to the, to the hospital because looking back, they couldn't revive him here. And I remember driving in a police car because there were a lot of, you know, three, two ambulances, you know, all kind of fire trucks and police because, you know, he was a young person and that's what happens when there is a, a young person dies, uh, apparently, um, no, without knowing the cause of death at that, at that moment, at that time. Then I, f I heard myself in the police car because there was nobody here, you know, and then eventually, you know, my best friend and some and other friends, and I don't have a lot of relatives in, in Canada now, um, they met me at the hospital. I was by myself in, in the police car and I heard myself say, God, you cannot do this to me. You cannot take my son away from me because I, 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 I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. I won't be able to survive it. And then on the way back, four o'clock in the morning, I was in, in, a, in, a, in a taxi with my best friend and I heard myself say to God again, to the universe, okay, God, if this was really meant to happen, if this was his destiny and my destiny, I'm telling you, I, I'm, there's only two ways I can accept this. These are the, my conditions. I was negotiating with God. I said, one is that I know what the highest purpose to his death is. For, for, you know, I need to know because just the human level, okay, you know, he just died. It's not good enough for me. I need to know what the highest spiritual purpose is. And the other condition is that I need to see him again when I die. Because I can't, just the thought that I'm never going to see him again, I just can't, can't fathom that thought. I'm never going to see my son again. That's, that's like in my mind, I couldn't, I couldn't conceive of that. So I guess one of my intentions has been all throughout is that I want to see him. I want to see him. And I have seen him, but not visually, I, through the energy that we have connected, you know, his soul and his soul in, into the love that we share. So I could say that I have seen him. I, I just felt him, you know, last week, but I actually haven't really seen him. You know how sometimes people say, oh, I saw my, my mother or my son, you know, like as if she was really here. So I think that that's what I would like to the dream to be, that I see him and that we can talk with each other and that we can actually look into each other's eyes and, and then share our love even visually, not just mm. energetically. Oh, that's interesting. And what age would you want him to be? Would you want him to be 24 when he died or 34 now that he's it's ah, been 10 years? Another good question. I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I think certainly more currently, not when he was young. And, and I'm not sure whether 24 or whether 34. Maybe, maybe 34, actually, now that you said it. That would be... That would be a really, um, I think that would be, you know, who he is now, who he's become mm. at a soul level and how he can show that, embody that through, you know, through the form as I, as I knew him, through his physical form while he was alive in this life. And what would this, and what would he be wearing now? Do you think he'd change his style up? Cause you know how child, like I know I've, in my own life, I've switched styles around. Do you think he'd be dressing the same way that he did in 24? Or do you think he would have? 
in, no, like, changed I, it. <laughs> I think it's changed. Yeah. <laughs> I knew uh, I knew someone who's a you know is a medical intuitive, is a clairvoyant, is a shaman. I, I know him quite well here in Toronto, and he and he's told me a lot about him. And and I remember we had a memorial once when he came and spoke, and that's what that's one of the things he said. He says he's really changed now, even physically. He's, he's different. He's, he's, he's embodied more his soul, who, is, who, he, who he is at a soul level. So I think that that's where, you know, I mean, I would like to, I, I like to see him in the form that he was when he was here, but I also like to see him how he's become at the same time, maybe physically, you know, how he, what he's wearing now. He's wearing something different than yeah. what, you know, we're then. And, yeah. What do you think that would be? Like a suit? Would it be like you know a shining you know white robe? Like what do you what do you think that his new attire would be? <laughs> Not a suit. No, I don't think that even now he's a suit kind of guy. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, maybe like a nice you know nice pair of pants. Cool, because he was always cool. You know, he wanted to be cool, and I I, I like being cool too so <laughs> that's important so maybe some nice clothes you know nice cool clothes nice all right beautiful and where would you want this all to take place it could be anywhere could be your house could be anywhere maybe yeah. like you know the garden that is mm, oh the garden that you wrote about yeah <laughs> yeah yes yeah that's where uh that's where love exists right and uh, I think there's a lot of love in what you've talked about. And the way I see it, it's, it's you accepted to love unconditionally because unconditional love requires you to accept all of it, which is also the pain that, that comes with love leaving. And, you know, talking about your grief and during those tough times of understanding why this is why this is happening, why my son which is which is a comment which is an anguish that you know any person would feel and then just incorporating going back to what you knew was there all along which was the love you know that that's something you can really feel and you know again it, it takes courage it's a lot of strength and courage to kind of go through these processes and and, and to be willing and open to transform yourself and to be willing and open to expose yourself and learn from that and that that's the vibe that we definitely get with with hearing you talk about your son and uh mm -hmm. happy birthday to him tomorrow thank you and well, and no, i was gonna go say ahead. what was your son's name oh yes nathaniel and nathaniel in hebrew um means uh a gift from god <laughs> it also means joshua's brother <laughs> Oh. That's my brother's name. That's my brother's name. That's what I said. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, the connection. Yes. Yeah. Well, Medea, it's been uh, it's been a great conversation, and you know, just hearing from obviously the way you speak, you know, you are you're a creative rebel. You know, you, you've got that spirit in you, and uh, I'm glad that your journey has taken you here. It's taken you to many interesting places and given you the chance and ability to express your creativeness to the best degree. Would you, um, can you please uh, shout out your handles or anywhere people can reach you and also your book? Yes, and, 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 if, you, and if it's possible, I would like to end event with, with another poem, a short poem. Oh, please, but, I think um, we'd love that. Yes, so my website is mastering self transformation all one word uh, dot com mastering self transformation dot com and um, so you can people can connect me through my website or through Facebook uh, I have I have a group I have a, my own personal page I have a, a, um, a professional page so I'm, you know, I can be reached through LinkedIn, so different social media, and that's that's pretty much it. My book can be purchased through Amazon, Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, and Amazon.uk. There are different kind of, you know, different Amazons from different parts of the world, but Amazon.com, of course, 
take it. And, and, it's, and the book is called Facing Grief with Eyes Wide Open, How to Transform Loss uh, and, um, into Self-Love and Higher Purpose. And so, you know, my, my, my process has been, has been through love, but is really giving birth to my true self and this, you know, to, in my highest consciousness and to really, uh, and, and that's what I'm here to do, to help other people do the same. So the, this poem and, and that I'm writing now, uh, that I'm going to be reading now, it's called Queen of Love because I recognize myself as a queen. And now I have reached that level. And even though I'm still a rebel, uh, and it's a queen of, I'm a queen of love. So um, this is how it goes. Heart calling to itself that which it knows. Unmistakable image of itself. If you long for love, be love. Your longing is the seed of your gifts eager to be cultivated. Beloved calls for beloved to be united. Soul rises majestically, savoring its own bliss. The garden is in full bloom, absorbing the mysterious light of the moon. Moonlight, a luminescent mantle of desire. The green skin of Mother Earth kisses my feet as I dance my electrifying bliss of loving and becoming. Lover and beloved are forever united, intertwined. Breath exhales. <sighs> Here now. That's what it. A, what a beautiful way to uh, end our podcast. And uh, I, I just I want to thank you. You know, I'm not really sure. We should title this one Rebel Queen or The Garden. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel Queen sounds apt. Yeah. You are a queen. Yeah. You are a queen, no doubt. And, um, you know, I wish, I hope everybody, um, I wish everybody could, could see that in themselves, that they have the potential to be a queen or a king. Um, so thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much, Medea. Um, Again, it's been illuminating and, and just just a pleasant conversation and hearing about your life story. Um, I, this has been really very um, very delightful, like really in the, in the true meaning of the word for me. This this um, this interview, I, I just love the way your energy, both of you, and how you are presencing yourself, and how the have you asked your questions from where you know from you know it's been really light and it's been really joyful and it's been really um sweet i think that um also of course you know it has been revealing and i feel like my son has been it's, it's been present here and he really has enjoyed this, this interview as well because i mean you know it's an interview from two young men as well you know and so he can relate to you guys and 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 i feel i feel that i feel like he's been part of this uh, more than other interviews i mean I've, be, I've had a lot of other interviews but this one it has a very unique flavor to it and i think that that's part of it i think like he's he's combined he's joined us and so it's been very delightful and very, uh, very beautiful. And I really, from my heart, I want to, I want to thank you both. Oh, thank you for those such kind words. And what year was your son born? Uh, March, not, uh, March 9th, uh, nine, 1985. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm 84. Josh, you're 84. Yeah. 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 yeah, same age. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that we can feel the presence of Nathaniel, and you know, yeah. we honor we honor his memory, and you honor his memory by coming on here and talking about him and telling his story. Yeah, sure. I feel like this has been significant to me being interviewed by two young men around his age, right before his birthday, <laughs> the day before his birthday. Yeah, it, it was a secret fourth gift bag he never gave you in the dream, <laughs> <laughs> or is the the first of the next three? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's got lots coming. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, yep. Sean Joshua. So, uh, 
thank you and um you know we're just, just gonna let everybody know to please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic um, we added a donation button and there are perks to those who donate also if you want to help us out you can if you have itunes you can uh, rate us on itunes that will definitely assist in bringing this podcast up to up to the top page so everybody can uh, see it uh, if you have facebook you can join the grief dreams group you can share your dreams or hear more dreams of others and we're on twitter and instagram at grief dreams the children's book called dreaming of owl authored by joshua can be found on amazon and we like to end our podcast with love and gratitude from us to you Introduce myself. You have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.